Welcome to another episode of Gerocast, a podcast that explores the lived experience of older adults. Today, we will be exploring the topic of caregiving for seniors with dementia. By the end of this episode, you should be able to define caregiver stress and understand the implications of caring for a senior with dementia and understand the importance of communication between caregivers or family members and healthcare professionals. Currently in Canada, it is estimated that approximately one in four seniors, ages 85 and above, have been diagnosed with dementia. As the Canadian population continues to age, the number of people living with dementia will continue to increase. According to the Canadian Institute for Health Information, most seniors with dementia reside in the community and require support from unpaid caregivers, such as family or friends, to provide daily support. Research suggests that unpaid caregivers of seniors with dementia spend more time caregiving and face higher levels of distress than those caring for other seniors without dementia. Of greater concern is the fact that almost twice as many caregivers of seniors with dementia exhibit symptoms of distress, such as anger, depression, or feeling unable to continue in their caregiving role. However, it is also important for us to recognize that there may be some positive aspects of caregiving. Can you think of any of the positive benefits of providing care? Some examples of positive experiences of being a caregiver include the satisfaction of knowing that your loved one is getting excellent care, personal growth, and increased meaning and purpose in your life. Today, we are joined by our guest, Bonnie, who will be speaking about her experience with caregiving for seniors with dementia. Welcome to the podcast. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about yourself? I um, moved to Brighton 18 years ago from Toronto, where I had been in investment banking. And my husband and I moved to Brighton, where he started up his own business, and I decided to go back to school. So I uh, went to Loyalist College for seven months full-time and became a PSW. Um, So from there, um, we did the course, and part of our practicum was in one of the long-term care And I volunteered to do my training on the locked ward, working with dementia people. So um, that that was for about a month or two months where I was actually on the ward. And um, that's when my my eyes were fully open to what the disease was Mm -hmm. and what it did to people. It robs them of their dignity. Some, Some people with dementia will become very happy and very positive. Right. And some people become very negative and can actually become quite violent. And in a lot of cases, the people who become violent or negative, that's not their true nature. So I always find I always found that interesting. And did you find kind of this um, dynamic or these behaviors that the patients 
um, displayed? Were they difficult to deal with um, as a caregiver? I would say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one dear lady. I was taking her out of the bath and she physically attacked me. Um, She punched me and kicked me. We did some investigating to, you know, because this wasn't normally what she did. So you sometimes you have to play a guessing game with dementia. And what kind of toll did this take on you, Bonnie? Or what kind of impact did, you know, this kind of job have on you? Um, well, I only did it for a couple of months in the long-term care. Mm-hmm. Um, I chose not to work there because it really did upset me mm-hmm. because I could not give them the care that I wanted to. So, um, I mean, now I could go home at the end of the day knowing that that, that was uh, not a relative of mine. When it came time to looking after my mother, a few years later, um, and I became her full-time caregiver, and she had a stroke and ended up with aphasia, and then because of the stroke, um, had symptoms. So that was far more difficult because then it became personal. And 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 I couldn't go home at the end of the day and um, have someone else look after her. Right. Would you mind um, telling us a little bit about what some of – Uh, your duties were for caring uh, for your mother? My mom, um, first of all, I moved her into a retirement home out in Oakville uh, to be with her sister. They they, um, lived down the hall from one another. For the first year, year and a half, it was fine. I mean, I would just have to drive down to see her every now and again. But then she had a stroke. And due to the stroke, she ended up with aphasia. She, her brain knew what she wanted to say, but she couldn't get the words out. And then um, she declined physically and mentally. And anytime she was in the hospital, I mean, I was driving out to Oakville sometimes two and three times a week. And that was two hours each way. And whenever she was in the hospital, I had to drop everything and be with her because she could not communicate with anybody. But I, I knew, and, and, I, and so that's when I had to then speak for my mother, and I became her, um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking? Like her interpreter, almost? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I and, and then yes, and I took over as the parent, and she became the child. That's very hard um, to, to see a parent become that way, um, because you still want them to keep as much independence as they can. And regardless of whether it's your mother or it's somebody in long-term care, the most important thing is that you still respect their dignity and you give them as much respect as you you possibly can. And do you have any um, specific suggestions on how caregivers can do that? When it's your own family? Yeah. I think if, um, if you're If you're a caregiver, I really think absolutely essential you get um, some time off for yourself. If, um, if like that's home care, and that's what I ended up doing was home care. I did that for eight years full time. So some of my clients did have Alzheimer's and I would go and give their husband or their wife a four hour break so that they could go off and do something for themselves. 
So that's important. I think it's also important for someone to join a, um, uh, some sort of a, a, a group where other people are going through the same thing. I think that would, I think being able to share stories just gives you the confidence to carry on. Of course, having that peer support. Exactly, because it's it's mentally, emotionally, and physically draining. Because whether it's your mother or your father, um, in my case, it was my mother. So my husband and my children took a back seat for a couple of years. Um, if it's your husband, then your children and your grandchildren will take a back seat because you only have so much to give. And when you're a caregiver for especially dementia, you have to give that person 100% all the time. And it's, right. it is exhausting. Oh, I can only imagine, Bonnie. Wow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's take a moment to reflect. We've heard Bonnie speak about the various stresses that can be associated with caring for an older adult with dementia. What kind of resources or education is available for caregivers? Feel free to pause the recording for a few moments as you actively reflect on your answer. I know like healthcare professionals work a lot, of course, with the patient themselves, um, but a lot of the times their caregiver is also with them in that interaction, almost like how you were explaining how you were the interpreter for your mom. So would you give any advice to, you know, a healthcare practitioner who is caring for, for your mother, for example, of, um, you know, maybe like how they should interact with you? Or do you wish that they were able to give you more supports um, as a caregiver? I wished I had taken more time out for myself to do physical exercise. Mm, okay. And why is that? Because physical exercise, whether whether you walk, ride a bike, um, go to exercise class. I mean, I find, I mean, I, you know, I should have known and I didn't do it, but it's, it's a huge stress reliever mm -hmm. um, physically and mentally for you. So you have to stay healthy so you can look after your, your charge. And if you're not, then you will become emotionally and physically drained. And I did with my mother. I did become, and especially my mother, because I was extremely, extremely close to my mother. Mm -hmm. And um, I should have taken better care of myself. So that would be the biggest advice I would give to anybody. And the interesting thing is none of the doctors or any, um, any of the social workers that met with me, none of them ever suggested that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I'm looking back on that and I'm thinking, you know, I, I, you know, I, I know the doctors do the best they can. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. not faulting them, but, but I think looking back, I wish, I wish somebody had said, you know, now you make sure you exercise or you do all the right things to, so that you can look after your mother. And it, I never really got that advice because sometimes it's the first time it happens. It's like, it's like raising a child. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no book to say, well, this is how you do it. Yeah. 
So uh, yeah, that would be my, my biggest suggestion. And hopefully you have the support of your family and you sit down and you discuss it with your family. You know, if you're looking after a parent, a mother or a father, then you sit down with your husband and your children and your grandchildren and you, you explain to them that, mm-hmm. you know, for the foreseeable future, you're going to be tied up with grandma or grandpa. Mm-hmm. Um, please understand. And, and my family did. I mean, I was very fortunate. I had a very supportive family. Um, sometime, and, and yet I know of friends whose husbands are not supportive. And that just adds even more stress. Of course. Yeah. 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 As much as, you know, the patient needs to be cared for, we also need to be thinking about caring for the caregiver themselves. And that's the biggest thing is care for the caregiver. All right. Well, thank you for providing um, that insight. I learned a lot. I was glad actually that I, I became a PSW at age 50 (laughs) so that when I had to look after my mother, I knew what to do more than a lot of people who don't have that training or experience and it must be a nightmare, right. an absolute nightmare because at least I knew the basics and I had worked on the ward. Um, but wow, for somebody that had does not know anything about the health or the medical, it must just be mind boggling. Yeah. Well, your family was so, so lucky to have you. Thank you, Bonnie, for sharing all of your experiences with me today. You're welcome. You're welcome. I hope it helps. Today, we've had the opportunity to hear Bonnie share her story about caring for older adults with cognitive impairments. She spoke about her professional experience as a PSW, as well as her personal experience as a caregiver for her mother. Bonnie also talked about caregiver burnout and offered some potential strategies to cope with these stresses. Keep in mind that Bonnie's story represents just one perspective on caregiving. It's important for us to remember that every person has their own unique lived experience. Now, let's take a look at a case study. Let's assume that Bonnie provides care for a senior in her life who we'll call Jane. Jane has a diagnosis of dementia and happens to be a patient of yours that you provide physiotherapy treatment to. Bonnie always accompanies Jane to her physiotherapy appointments. However, you notice that Bonnie appears to be distressed each time you see her. She sometimes cries and voices concerns about her ability to deal with Jane's circumstances. She tells you that she cannot sleep anymore and that she's losing weight. Based on this case, please answer the following questions. 1. What approach would you take to this situation? 2. Provide an overview of the health issues that may result as a consequence of caregiver stress. 3. What health or exercise advice may you provide to Bonnie or to other caregivers in similar situations? Four, what kind of exercise would you prescribe to a patient with dementia? How would this differ from exercise you would prescribe to a patient without dementia? What are some considerations that you would have to make? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of JeroCast. 
please visit www.rehab.queensu.ca slash to access the full list of people and resources that made this project possible. Thank you.